So now let's hear God's word uh, from the book of Ruth, the second chapter, and I'm going to read verses 1 through 7. Now Naomi had a relative of her husband's, a worthy man of the clan of Elimelech, whose name was Boaz. And Ruth the Moabite said to Naomi, let me go to the field and glean among the ears of grain after him in whose sight I shall find favor. And she said to her, go, my daughter. So she set out and went and gleaned in the field after the reapers. And she happened to come to the part of the field belonging to Boaz, who was of the clan of Elimelech. And behold, Boaz came from Bethlehem. And he said to the reapers, The Lord be with you. And they answered, The Lord bless you. Then Boaz said to his young man who is in charge of the reapers, Whose young woman is this? And the servant who was in charge of the reapers answered, She is the young Moabite woman who came back with Naomi from the country of Moab. She said, Please let me glean and gather among the sheaves after the reapers. So she came, and she has continued from early morning until now, except for a short rest. This is the word of the Lord. Good morning. Have y'all ever had any just crazy coincidences happen to you, like the kind that you're like, this blows my mind. There's no way that that just happened. Uh, I want to share just a couple of, uh, of those kinds of stories uh, with you. The first is about uh, an author. Uh, her name was Anne Parrish. I think there's a picture maybe of her. Uh, has anybody ever seen her before? Uh, I didn't know who she was either. Um, she was kind of a children's author, but she grew up in Colorado Springs, up out in Colorado, and moved all over the place kind of in her life, and, and eventually became famous as an author one day. Uh, Anne is, um, is with her husband, and they're vacationing in Paris. Okay, so they're in France, and she's walking, I guess, as people do. You know, there's all these outside vendors, out, outside shops, and she comes across this old children's book, and, and uh, she wanted to buy it, and, and her husband being, uh, you know, married to an author, said, you know, babe, we don't need one more book in our life. Like, really? Can we, we just, you don't need this book. And, and she said, oh, yeah, we do. And he said, well, well, then tell me one thing about this book that makes it worthwhile, right? And so she starts to tell, well, I remember there was a story in it that was really good. And, then, and so he's kind of flipping through the book and he's like, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, you know, she was kind of right about some of the stuff. She remembered some things. And, um, and she said, yeah, of course, I told you I know this book. I even had one just exactly like this one, and, and we, sh- we should buy it. And so uh, through all that conversation, the husband opens up the cover, and, and this is what he finds inside the book cover. Uh, there in Paris, right, this was a book from Colorado Springs. And so somehow she had found her old childhood book uh, at uh, 1932. It's kind of a crazy coincidence, right? Um, finding your old book from Colorado in, in France. But that is nothing compared to, to this, this next one, right? So uh, I'm going to show you a picture of these two guys. 
okay? The guy on the left, his name is Jim. The guy on the right, his name is Jim. Uh, they were twins who were separated at birth, uh, born in Ohio. Um, they were adopted out to separate families, you know, out of, you know, very, very young out of the hospital or whatever. They grow up 40 miles apart, okay? Both their adoptive families named them Jim. They both had other ado- an adopted brother named Larry. They both had a, their favorite dog as a kid was named Toy. They were both good at math. They both hated spelling. They never met each other. They didn't know that the other existed, right? They both went into law enforcement as a career. They were like deputies and sheriff's office kind of thing. They both married a woman named Linda. So both of them had wives named Linda. Uh, they had some issues. They both left their wife named Linda. And they both married a second wife. Both of them were named Betty. Yeah. They, they both vacationed. There's like a little beach, about like a three-block long beach in St. Petersburg, Florida. Every year, Jim and Jim both took their families to that beach. It's crazy. Uh, they, uh, they both drank the same brand of beer. They both smoked the same brand of cigarettes. They both named their first son James Allen. This is crazy. They drove the same Chevrolet car. They had the same headaches at the same time of day. Finally, they found out about each other. Uh, however, f- and, and when they f- found each other, you know, obviously they were completely amazed. They got to each other, and like they just were... F- apparently just finishing each other's sentences, like they just had, you know, that whole thing. And, and they ended up, of course, being best friends um, and, and kind of made the, you know, like TV circuit there for a little while. This is like, I think, 1979 is when this picture was taken. But they, uh, they ended up kind of becoming famous, and, and, and a, a, a bunch of studies were done on them. And, but the, the coincidences of all that are, are, just, uh, are just wild. Well, this morning we're going to be reading about um, another coincidence, Okay, uh, a, a coincidence that's going to change the course of history forever. And, and I don't really know what to think about weird coincidences like, like those, right? Like finding a book somewhere or uh, the twin thing, I don't know. I don't know exactly what to do with all of that. But, but as we, as we you know, keep going this morning in our series in Ruth, where we're asking, what, is there hope after hurt? Is there life after loss? What does it look like? Right? What does moving forward in faith look like? That's, our, that's kind of our question for this morning. How do we move forward? What, what, what could that possibly look like? So with, with that question, let's, let's pray together. Father, would you guide us through your word this morning? Would you help us to hear your truth? Awaken us to uh, your moving in us. God, thank you that your truth doesn't change. Your word never fails us. In Jesus' name. Amen. So it's kind of a long passage and, and, uh, that we have the, that we're going to go through this morning. So I had, you, I had us read the first seven verses already, right? And just kind of a recap. Uh, Ruth is working in this field, and she meets uh, uh, a guy named Boaz. Well, a guy named Boaz is going to come onto the scene, and he's going to say, Who's, Who is that person? She's new around here. That's where we are. So verse 8. Then Boaz said to Ruth, Now listen, my daughter, do not go glean in another field or leave this one, but keep close to my young women. Let your eyes be on the field that they are reaping. 
and go after them. Have I not charged the young men not to touch you? And when you are thirsty, go to the vessels and drink what the young men have drawn. Then she fell on her face, bowing to the ground, and said to him, Why have I found favor in your eyes that you should take notice of me, since I am a foreigner? But Boaz answered her, All that you have done for your mother-in-law since the death of your husband has been fully told to me. And how you left your father and mother in your native land and came to a people that you did not know before? The Lord repay you for what you have done, and a full reward be given you by the Lord, the God of Israel, under whose wings you have come to take refuge. And then she said, I have found favor in your eyes, my Lord, for you have comforted me and spoken kindly to your servant, though I am not one of your servants. And at mealtime, Boaz said to her, Come here and eat some bread and dip your morsel in the wine. So she sat beside the reapers and and he passed to her roasted grain. And she ate until she was satisfied. And she had some left over. When she rose to glean, Boaz instructed his young men, saying, Let her glean even among the sheaves and do not reproach her. And also pull some out from the bundles for her and leave it for her to glean and do not rebuke her. So she gleaned in the field until evening. Then she beat out what she had gleaned, and it was about an ephah of barley. And she took it up and went into the city. Her mother-in-law saw what she had gleaned. She also brought out and gave her what food she had left over after being satisfied. And her mother-in-law said to her, Where did you glean today, and where have you worked? Blessed be the man who took notice of you. So she told her mother-in-law with whom she had worked and said, The man's name with whom I work today is Boaz. And Naomi said to her daughter-in-law, May he be blessed by the Lord whose kindness has not forsaken the living or the dead. Naomi also said to her, This man is a close relative of ours, one of our redeemers. And Ruth the Moabite said, Besides, he said to me, You shall keep close by my young men until they have finished all my harvest. And Naomi said to her, or said to Ruth, her daughter-in-law, It is good, my daughter, that you go out with his young women, lest in another field you be assaulted. So she kept close to the young women of Boaz, gleaning until the day, or until the end of the barley and wheat harvests, and she lived with her mother-in-law. Okay, so this is week three in, in our series. Just a quick recap, right, because I want to make sure we're all together. Uh, Naomi is a Jewish woman who has lost her husband, and her two sons both died. And that puts her in a really bad situation, right? And one of her son's uh, wives uh, is a woman named Ruth. And Ruth has declared her loyalty to Naomi and and says she will stay with her no matter what. I I think it's fair to say that Naomi is in a a dark place emotionally, uh, and spiritually she has lost hope. Our, our, our passage last week ended uh, with the phrase that it was the beginning of barley harvest. Uh, and, and this let us know that, that, that there, was, there was a glimmer of hope on the horizon. There's, there's just a glimmer of hope. It's the beginning of barley harvest. And barley harvest is going to be kind of the main uh, setting for today. And, and, and so as we start again, I, I think it's important um, to, to start with a little bit of background. Uh, to, to know kind of why this passage makes sense, uh, help us to do that. So um, if you remember last week I said that there was no welfare system 
in Moab, right? There's, there's no office to go to to try to get a check every month, right? Naomi in Moab was in a bad position. And so uh, she decided, hey, I, I'm, I may be better off in Israel. It's, it's kind of my last shot. Let's, let's at least go there and see if somebody will be kind. And, and so what you need to know is that there is a welfare system in Israel. And it, it doesn't look anything like ours today. It, it, it looks quite a bit different. Um, in a nutshell, here's kind of what it looked like. Okay, uh, God set up a way for the poor, for the widows and the orphans to be taken care of uh, through a process called gleaning. Gleaning. Uh, farmers were supposed to leave the corners of their field uh, un- unharvested, and, and they were supposed to leave some of the rest, um, uh, meaning they really shouldn't shouldn't completely pick their fields clean. They should, there should be some leftovers as you, as you go over that field, right? Don't go back and keep picking and cleaning it all out. Whatever you don't get the first time, just, just leave it for, for, for somebody else. And, and so those who didn't have anything, um, they, they could come to these fields, right? And, and, and they could come and they could work and they could glean whatever remained, right? So anybody who was willing to go out there and get what was left right? They could work and they could eat. Um, it, was, it was tough work. It was not an easy job. It was not one that you would have, you would have uh, picked. Uh, some commentators say, you know, it'd be like picking up aluminum cans today and, and turning those in for, you know, for quarters, right? Are you willing to dig through the trash to pick up some, some, some aluminum cans? That's kind of what we've got here, obviously, except it was food. So, um, there are places in, in, in the Old Testament, like in Deuteronomy 24 and in Leviticus 19, that, 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 that explain kind of thoroughly what this was supposed to look like. But, um, but, you know, imagine being a farmer and you were supposed to allow outsiders to come and pick up whatever you dropped, right? Whatever you didn't get, they, they were allowed to come in. And, and, um, but if they were willing to work for it, they could have it. So our, our setting for this morning is, is Naomi and Ruth, they have left. They are now in Israel. And, 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 the, and the next big question we have is, okay, so now what? Right? N- now what? what, are, what are, what's going to happen after this terrible loss? They've made the move. Now what? And we would say they're still in a bad situation. Um, right? What are they going to do? do? Do they say, okay, well, we're... We don't know what to do. Let's just sit on our hands and, and wait to be rescued. Right? Do we just, just sit and wait? Do we sit idly by and just sit in our pain? Is that what we do? Well, we don't know how long it was, uh, probably until Ruth started getting hungry, until uh, she's going to come uh, to Naomi and ask the question, hey, you know, Mom, would you be okay with me going out and, and, uh, and, and going and getting some food for us? Right? That's probably a dumb question, we would say, right? You want me to go get some food for us? And, and Naomi's going to say, yeah, absolutely. And so off Ruth goes, right? And, and the author has already kind of given us a hint. This first verse of our, of our passage talks about the, a man. We would say he's a prominent man, uh, in the, and his name is Boaz. The, the transla- translation for us is a little bit tricky, uh, but, we th- but we th- you could just say it's best understood that he was a man who was both a relative and a friend of Elimelech. So they had a relationship. And, and so that's, that's kind of the, the hint, and then, it's, 
And now here comes the action and the rest of the story. And so um, Ruth sets out, the passage tells us, you know, she's just randomly going to go search for a field that she says, I can find favor in. I'm just going to go and see if I can find a, a, a field where people aren't throwing rocks at me, right? Uh, I'm going to go to a field where, where people are nice to me, where people aren't going to assault me, which was a danger, right, for a woman on her own going to where the, all these men are harvesting. You can imagine, not the best situation, but she's going to give it a try. And she says, I'm going to just find the best one that I can. Right, try to find the safest scenario. She, it says she's going to ask permission, right? And so she does, and, and she finds a field. Finds a field and starts working. And apparently she's a hard worker. She's a go-getter, we might say. And, and uh, she's, she's outworking all the others. She's outworking everybody else. Little does she know that she's in the field of a man named Boaz. She probably doesn't even know who Boaz would be. The ESV translation Uh, as we read it, says, she happened to come to the part of the field belonging to Boaz. She happened to come to the part of the field. The the Hebrew phrase here uh, literally says, her chance chanced. Her chance chanced. Most scholars would say this is the uh, equivalent uh, of, of an English phrase like, as luck would have it, right? And as luck would have it, do you see what the storyteller is doing here? Basically, he is saying, Ruth, as luck would have it, stumbled into the field of Elimelech's relative Boaz, a noble and respected landowner. Just happened upon chance to stumble, right? As luck would have it. Her chance chanced. Right? Her chance chanced. What a coincidence. And so now Boaz is on the scene, and, and he's going to ask questions. Who's that woman? I've never seen her before. Who, who is she? And he gets a good report. This guy says, yeah, you know, this is who that is. And man, she's a really hard worker. She's, she hasn't stopped all morning. And so he says, you know what, I'm going to go up, and I'm going to uh, just talk to her. And, and he's decided he's going to show her more kindness. So he says, look, don't leave this field. Stay in my field, right? I've got all these fields. Stay here. Don't go anywhere else. He says, look, if you get thirsty, here's, here's the cooler, right? Just help yourself. And he says, look, I told everybody, don't mess with you. All my workers, they have strict instructions from me not to mess with you. You're safe here. Stay here. Don't go anywhere else. She's blown away by this She's like, you don't know who I am. Why in the world are you being so, why are you even talking to me, right? Much less being kind to me. I figured you'd just be, you know, screaming at me, telling me to get lost. And he says, look, okay, I know who you are. I know all that you have done for Naomi. I've heard all this good news. I know what it took for you to be here. And and I'm just, you know, I've seen your hard work. Um. Her character, her reputation preceded her. Her, her character preceded her. And, and he says this wonderful thing. He says, The Lord repay you for what you have done, and a full reward be given you by the Lord, the God of Israel, under whose wings you have come to take refuge. So he gets it, right? He acknowledges to her, I get what happened. 
right? You left everything behind, including your religion, including your gods, and you said, I'm going to put my, I'm going to put my faith in the hands of, of the God of Israel. And he says, you know what, the Lord, I hope the Lord blesses you. The Lord repay you for that. And not only does he say it, right? He, he says it, but, but then he's going to do more, right? He's going to act upon that. So he's decided he's going to be a part of helping her receive that reward. So he says, God bless you, and I'm going to get to be part of the hands of that. He is go- going to be a blessing to her. And so I just want to stop here and ask this question, right? Have you ever done this in your life? Have you ever just decided, hey, I'm going to be a blessing to someone? I'm, I'm just going to bless their socks off. Right? And I would, I would challenge you, if you have not ever done this in your life, right? if you've never just gone and said, I'm going to commit to being a blessing to this person, try it. You'll be amazed at how you feel. You'll be amazed at how your thoughts and your heart and your attitude begin to change. So right, the next time you're worried about a person, right, the next time God puts somebody on your mind and you can't stop thinking about them, just decide right then, okay, God, wants, I, I'm going to go out of my way to be a blessing to them. You don't have anything involved. There, there's, there's, there's no incentive, right? Don't worry about the reward of it. Just go be a blessing to that person. Okay, verse 14, right? He, he then is going to invite her to come and eat with everyone else. He's in, including her, this, this, this woman. And I would say pro- probably most of us in here know how it feels to be left out. Right? To not get invited to sit at that table. To be excluded. Right? To be the one on the outside. We, most of us ha- have experienced that. And Boaz, thinking kindly, says, hey, come sit with us. Don't just stand over there and sit over there in the dirt. Right? Come sit with us. And so then they eat. She goes out and starts working again. And, and, and he's going to kind of pull his guys aside and go, hey, listen. I want you to leave more for her to find. Do as bad a job as you can so that she'll have more to glean. In fact, I want you to just drop some out of your bundles, right? Just start just dropping it on the ground, right? Just be sloppy as you can be. Let her find a lot. And, and so she works her tail off picking up all this stuff. And at the end of the day, she's got a ton of barley, right? And, and scholars differ uh, kind of about the amount they think she has, but, but probably up to 50, pa- 50 pounds, right? Imagine lugging a sack of, you know, or whatever, 50 pounds of, of barley that she's now uh, got harvested. This will feed her and Naomi for months, right? She just, somebody just loaded up her shopping cart with groceries, right? This is huge. And so she gets home, and, and, and Naomi can't believe it. She's aware, and she says, what in the world happened here? Right? Somebody had to have helped you out for you to have this much. There's no way. And, and, and Ruth is going to uh, tell her all about her day. She's like, you won't believe the day I had. Right? It was crazy. I, uh, I, I just got into this field, and these people were nice. And she's like, well, whose field did you go to? Naomi realizes that a blessing has happened. 
And she's like, yeah, I don't know. Is this guy named Boaz? He just came up and said, hey, don't move. Just stay put and, you know, eat with us and all this great stuff. And, and he said, yeah, don't, you know, just keep, keep on coming over here. Just keep coming. And, and, and it's in this moment where the, the light comes on for Naomi, I think. Right? She's, she's seen no hope. She's, she's been down in the dumps. She's had this crummy attitude. But now, right, a relative, a relative of her husband, Elimelech, has shown incredible kindness. So maybe there's a chance. Maybe, just maybe, right? You can almost visualize the, the grin on her face as she says in verse 22, right? She says, uh, yeah, right, it, uh, it's really good that you would uh, stay in his field, and, and it's much safer than all those other terrible fields. You know, you should just really stay as close to them as you could possibly get, right? She's not dumb. She, she knows that something might be happening. There's, there's a window. There's a window of hope. And so the, the end of our chapter then tells us that Ruth stays in the fields of Boaz throughout the barley harvest and into the wheat harvest. We would say probably about a span of, of like three months maybe. That's kind of what we're looking at. So what are, what are we supposed to make of all this? I, I may just make two kind of short observations for us. And, and the first one is this. that When it comes to moving forward, right, that's what we've been talking about in the series. When it comes to, to moving forward, moving on, finding life after loss, I, I don't think there's a magical formula. Right, so maybe if you're a note taker, there's no magical formula. I, I think it boils down to using our brains, to common sense. You know, if you look at, at this story, you're going to have a hard time convincing me that Ruth had a master plan. It, it, it looks like she just decides to take the, the first next step. Okay? I'm hungry. We don't have any food. How can I get some food? And we'll, we'll go from there. But I know where I've got to start, and that is keeping us alive. She, she must be familiar with the concept of gleaning. It doesn't seem to be something that's allowed in Moab, but she's heard of it. She knows that it's a possibility. She's been researching, we would say, right? She's acquired some knowledge. And she's going to ask somebody who knows more, hey, uh, Naomi, I have this idea. Right? Here's what I think I'm going to do. Do you think that's okay? Is that a good idea? You telling me not to? What do you think? Right? She's going to ask somebody wiser than her from some, for some advice. Remember, Ruth is in a tough spot. We've been talking about Naomi being a widow. Ruth is a widow too. Her, her future is in jeopardy. She's in a tough, tough position. She's in a new place. Most people are going to hate her just because of who she is, because she's a Moabite. The odds are against her just as much, maybe more so than Naomi. But instead of moping around and it's going to say, woe is me, she's committed. She's going to give this her best effort. Right? She's going to take care of her mother-in-law. She committed to that right in our last chapter. She said, you know what? I swear I will never leave you. I will be the one that takes care of you. She's going to follow through with that. Ruth is a fighter. I think when things are bad, when, when we are hurting, when we don't know what to do, 
I think sometimes a really important act of faith is just to get up. Just to refuse to give in to fear, to refuse to give in to sadness. Ruth could have done that. She doesn't have the whole plan. She doesn't have an answer. But she says, I know that I've got to get up. I can't stay here. I've got to go do something. The temptation for us is to quit. Just to give up. And I think something we can learn from Ruth is, is, is that the Lord wants us to get up. To keep going. The second observation I want to make is, is, is related to that. How would you say God is working in this story? How is God working in this story? That, that would be a hard question for you to answer. We don't just see it all quite yet. All the pieces are in play. There, there, there's something missing. We don't know. We do have a couple of hints, right? First, they showed up just in time for the barley harvest. And Ruth is going to happen to find a field by dumb luck, right? Pick the field of all the possible fields the, that's the best, the best option for them, the best hope that they have. She just happened to find it. But Scripture doesn't say that there was a burning bush. It doesn't say there was a voice from heaven have I not commanded you, Ruth, to turn left at the road and then go down a quarter of a mile and take a right? It doesn't say that, does it? She says, I don't know. I'm just going to go pick one. And maybe, the, maybe that person is going to show favor to me. Right? She admits she has no clue. She made a choice, and Boaz just happened to own that field. And Boaz just happened to come upon that field that day and say, she looks new. Who is that? Right? And he just happens to be impressed by her work ethic and her devotion to Naomi. See, sometimes God brings a burning bush. But more often than not, than not I, I think that God works through the actions of faithful people and he does something amazing. He takes our ordinary works like, I'm just going to get up today and I'm just going to do the best that I know how. And God does something amazing with that. I, I think that God coordinates incredible things through ordinary circumstances. And what we might call coincidences at times. I love it in Colossians 1, 15 through 17, where it says, He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For by him all things were created that are in heaven and that are on earth, visible and invisible whether thrones or dominions or principalities or powers, all things were created through him and for him. He is before all things, and in him all things consist. I love that. And in him all things consist. What, what, what this means for us is that Christ is involved in everything. The, 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 the great Dutch thinker Abraham Kuyper once said, I love this. There is not an inch in the whole area of human existence in which Christ the sovereign of all does not cry, it is mine. Hear that again. There is not an inch in the whole area of human existence in which Christ the sovereign of all does not cry, it is mine. You may not see it all the time. You may not recognize it. But Christ is actively working to redeem every situation. Constantly in the process of planting his flag to say, I have redeemed this. Whatever this 
is. He's in the process of planting that flag. I'll, I'll give you right, a recent practical example maybe in, in my own life, right? Beth and I were, you know, had, had, had decided to explore, hey, Lord, are you doing something different? Do you want us to be somewhere else than what we're doing right now? There were some reasons to ask that question. But we, but we said, well, I don't, I don't know. What would the next possible step, what, what might that be, right? And that involved a lot of hard work on my end. Creating resumes and profiles and doing all kinds of things, right? And, and in some tiny town in rural Illinois, right, there's a handful of faithful folks. And, and they were hard at work as a committee trying to figure out their next steps as well. And, and I can just tell you, right, that, that that process, a lot of it felt very ordinary and mundane, and it was a chore, and it was work. Both sides of that. But slowly, right, I think God began to, to use my efforts, to use the efforts of the work of the committee, to start to bring something together that was unexpected. Something that neither side would have said, you know what, this is exactly what we're going for here. I have the plan. We know. Did, did God speak to either side with a burning bush? Not that I'm aware of, okay? <laughs> I, don't, I haven't heard any other stories, but not that I'm aware of. There, there wasn't a voice from heaven. There wasn't a tablet that we found, right? No. Behind the scenes, Jesus is weaving together a story in which he is able to plant that flag to say, I'm redeeming this. Ruth has no clue how this story is going to end. Right? She's simply trying to put food on the table for one more day. And, and Boaz woke up that morning. He doesn't know. He's just trying to be a faithful landowner. He says, like, God, I want to honor you and how I treat people. Right? They're going to merge together somehow. God is asking them and he's asking us to just simply do the next thing that seems right, that seems honorable, that follows the principles that we know from his word. And through that, we let him do these amazing things for our good, for his glory. Don't quit. Don't give up. Keep moving forward to do the next right thing. And, and, and we just offer that to God and ask that he will do what he will with that. Let's pray. Father, I love the reminder that in all things, all things, they all consist in Jesus, by Jesus, for him, through him. He is redeeming all situations, every moment of our lives, they're leading to stories of redemption. Oh God, help us to wait on you. Help us to be patient and trust in you. But also help us to move forward. Help us to be willing to do what's right, to do some hard work and to let you do with it as you see.
Father, for some of us in this room as we are in different situations, we don't see an end. We don't see the, a way out. We, we can't see that there might be another chapter. Maybe we're like Naomi, we're, we're turning bitter. God, give us the courage to just get up. Give us the courage not to quit, but to have trust, to have faith that you're doing more than we can possibly see. Father, you are good. Even when we can't see it, you are good. God, we thank you. We praise you. We give you all the glory in Jesus. Amen.